You're listening to Under One Roof, a Covenant House Vancouver production. Under One Roof is your opportunity to hear conversations with subject matter experts on a variety of social justice and public policy issues. Covenant House Vancouver is dedicated to serving all youth with absolute respect and unconditional love, helping youth experiencing homelessness and protecting and safeguarding all youth in need. Please note that the views of our guests do not necessarily reflect the board, management, or staff here at Cover House Vancouver. And now, Under One Roof. Welcome to Under One Roof, a Covenant House Vancouver production. My name is Mark Savard, and I'll be your host for today's episode. In today's episode, we explore the issue of human trafficking in Canada, and more uh, more specifically, how it presents amongst the youth we serve here at Covenant House. And I'm pleased to welcome into our studio Chelsea Minhas, Associate Director of Clinical Services and Program Development here at Covenant House Vancouver. Welcome to the program, Chelsea. Thank you, Mark. Happy to be here. And thanks for joining again. It's uh, a very important topic that we're talking about today. When people hear the term human trafficking, it's not uncommon for them to confuse it with human smuggling, meaning helping someone illegally enter the country. And to make sure we're all on the same page, could you give our listeners a definition of human trafficking, as well as share with them some of the harsh realities of what it looks like here in Canada? Absolutely. So I think it's important for us to start off by reading the actual legal definition, So human trafficking is the act of recruiting, transporting, transferring, harboring, or receiving of persons by means of the threat or use of force or other forms of coercion, abduction, fraud, deception, or the abuse of power for the purposes of exploitation. In Canada, to meet this legal definition, law enforcement has to show that the victim was fearful for their self or another person's safety, and sometimes that's tricky. So we often talk about this issue in terms of exploitation as well. The most common form of exploitation in Canada is for the purposes of uh, sexual exploitation or labor trafficking or exploitation. Sex trafficking in Canada is often described as a modern-day form of slavery, It's one of the fastest growing crimes in Canada, and there's some pretty alarming statistics that go along with this. Over 90% of Canada's human trafficking victims are actually Canadian citizens, which might be surprising for some of us to hear because we often think about it in terms of bringing people into the country, the human smuggling aspect that you talked about. But in reality, over 90% of this is happening domestically right here in Canada. Traffickers can make up to $280,000 a year per person that they're trafficking. So this is a very lucrative business here in Canada. And victims are being recruited as young as 13 years old, which is shocking. This is the age of some of our children, our family members, and this is happening right here in Canada. There is one in five of the young people we're serving here at Covenant House has an experience of exploitation and trafficking. So this is not a foreign issue. It's happening right here in our backyard. And another thing that's important to touch on is that we're seeing an overrepresentation of LBGTQ and Indigenous youth, but it can really happen to anyone. That's just incredible, some of the statistics, including the amount of money that these traffickers are making off of exploited and trafficked uh, young people. And uh, in turning to youth, why are homeless youth particularly vulnerable to being exploited? A common theme that we see with trafficked and exploited youth is that there's some sort of vulnerability or unmet need that these traffickers are taking advantage of. And those vulnerabilities 
are the same vulnerabilities that we see as risk factors for youth homelessness. So there are things like mental health issues, low self-esteem, body image issues, other forms of insecurity, things like learning disabilities, bullying, substance use, poverty. A big one is a history of physical or sexual abuse or other forms of trauma in their history, as well as social isolation, which is really playing a role right now as we're living through a pandemic and there's a lot more isolation happening in our communities and we're seeing a rise in trafficking and exploitation. And uh, that brings me to uh, uh, the question about what are some of the signs you might see in somebody who's being exploited or trafficked? I think the first thing that we need to be aware of is that oftentimes a young person who's being exploited or trafficked is completely unaware that this is happening to them. So every one of us, every single person in all of our communities has a role to play in this. And some of the first things we might see are in terms of the luring and grooming process. And things that you'd want to look out for there are Is this person all of a sudden receiving a lot of expensive gifts, clothing, jewelry, new electronics? Do they somehow have a lot of unexplained cash? Are they starting to withdraw from friends or family? Do they have a new, all-consuming relationship with a partner? Are they skipping school, missing work? Is there an increased appearance, interest in their appearance? Are they doing things that are normally out of character for them, like partaking in drugs and alcohol? Are they acting more secretive? And another one that some people don't tend to think about is, do they have any new unexplained tattoos? So something that a lot of our traffickers in these communities are doing is branding their girls or their young men. And so they'll have a tattoo, a marking on their body. So that's some of the things you want to look out for in terms of the luring or grooming process. And then in terms of a young person who's actually being trafficked, we'll see an increase in fearful, anxious, irritable behavior. They might be really evasive about where they're going or what they're doing, even in terms of simple things like, what are you doing for work or what are you going to school for these days? They might be picked up by a lot of different cars. Each time they come to the building, it's a different car. They might have a highly sexualized social media content, which is not normal for their personality. They might have a lack of money or have no ID on them. So something that a lot of traffickers will do is take away all of their ID so that they have no control over where they can go or proving who they are. Do they have multiple cell phones? Some other things we see are young women and men who are in poor physical health. Are they looking extremely malnourished? Are there signs of exhaustion because they're working long hours up all times of the night? Are there signs of physical or sexual abuse? And so there's a lot of things that we can be looking out for as a community and as staff here at Covenant House. And if you're ever concerned about someone in your neighborhood, please contact your local police force because this is a very serious criminal matter. Well, and that makes me think about uh, the trafficker. What are some of the psychological tricks that they will use to uh, create that, uh, that, uh, that bond to make them do all these things that uh, you were just talking about? 
So they do a lot of things like create a sense of control. So do they control all of the money? Do they create a sense of fear in this young person? Does this person have all of the control over their housing, where they go, who they talk to, a lot of isolation from their normal contacts? Those are some of the forms of control that these traffickers might take on. So Chelsea, now that we know a little bit more about human trafficking, what are some of the most common ways that trafficking or exploitation presents itself amongst the youth we serve here at Covenant House? The most common form of exploitation we see here at Covenant House is exploitation by an intimate partner or family member. So oftentimes the first person that exploits or traffics a young person is someone that is very trusted and close to them, someone in their inner circle. We also see trafficking done by gangs here in the city. We see exploitation through exotic dancing and recruiting for modeling work. And we also see labor trafficking of young people who might be brought into this country to work on construction sites from other countries. Yeah, and that's uh, an interesting point that I think uh, our listeners uh, would find uh, a bit shocking, like, that some of the examples that you may have. And could you expand on that for our listeners? Absolutely. So two examples that immediately come to mind are one young man was brought into this country from Mexico for the purposes of labor trafficking. And he was actually discovered on our SkyTrain system here in Vancouver. He was brought to Covenant House and we were able to connect him to the supports he needed, work with people like the RCMP and Border Control Services to connect him back to his hometown in Mexico. And we were able to partner with Casa Alianza, which is our sister site in Mexico City, to help us make sure that was done safely. Another example here at Covenant House was a young woman who was trafficked into our city by someone that she trusted. And she was able to be connected to the services she need, needed, have some healing, begin her wellness journey. And now we see this young woman really thriving. She has a master's in clinical counseling. She's giving back to us here at Covenant House. And she's an actual thought leader in this arena of trafficking and exploitation. So there is hope. There is hope for these young people. Well, let's see. It's wonderful to hear that uh, these incredible barriers that can be overcome, and she is a great example of that. So, Chelsea, what are some of the barriers that trafficked youth need to overcome? Victims escaping or exiting sex trafficking often face a long and difficult process. It's not as simple as just saying to these young people, why don't you just stop? It's not that easy. And so at Covenant House, we're working with these young people on multiple barriers. Some of those things are that these young people have a total reliance on their trafficker. They're looking to this person for food, shelter, money, even connection and love. These intense connections to their traffickers can also be known as a trauma bond. Oftentimes, these victims are in an intimate relationship with their trafficker, which can make it very difficult for them to part from. Returning to a life of poverty and stability. So some of these young people are not coming from affluent communities. Returning to their previous life is not as glamorous or hopeful as it might seem. There's a lack of education and work experience, so Covenant House works hard to connect these young people to educational opportunities, work training programs, employment counseling. There's a lack of trust. So these traffickers and individuals who are exploiting our young people work very hard to make sure that there's a lack of trust in authorities, a lack of trust in service providers, and so our frontline staff, a huge part of their role is really 
building those relationships, establishing trust right out there on the streets to make sure that these young people feel safe to come inside. There's a lot of hopelessness. It's hard to imagine starting completely over again without resources or without support. A lot of these young people don't know that there's organizations out there to support them. They're extremely isolated. And a big one for our young people is stigma and discrimination. So with this type of exploitation comes a lot of internalized shame and self-blame. There can be a lot of judgment from service providers, family, friends, fear of if their family or their friends or their community will accept them back in after what they have experienced. There can be a lot of fear. So these traffickers are extremely good at instilling fear in these young people. They're scared of retaliation. There's threats against their family. There's threats against their own lives. There's a lot of fear around not being believed. Will anyone believe my story? Is anyone going to believe that this individual took me from this part of Canada to another part of Canada and forced me to do this. Some of the stories are so horrific, they're like something you would see in a movie. So it can be hard to believe that somebody's going to believe that story. And there's a lot of isolation. These traffickers have made sure that these young people do not have connections in their community, that they're not noticed as missing. And there's a big lack of support. There's not a lot of organizations in Canada doing this work. And uh, what would you say would be some of, one of the key things that one of the first steps that uh, youth workers or case managers will uh, will attempt to create a uh, create a relationship with uh, the youth coming in? Given what you've just said, you know there there is such a huge lack of trust. What is what is the basic bridge builder that you might start with? Absolutely. So building trust. Trusting relationships is key, and that can often be offering a sandwich out on the street, offering a warm blanket, some new socks, offering to take someone for coffee, sometimes offering a new outfit. Um, So those tangible pieces that don't require any um, real engagement with a service provider yet, don't require them to give a lot of information, can be done right out on the street, seem very um, unassuming if a trafficker is watching. So those are the types of things that our outreach workers are doing every day out on the streets of Vancouver, making connections, handing out cards, making sure that young people know that there is somewhere to go, someone that they can call 24-7 when they're ready. And we just keep doing that over and over again. It's like relentless engagement, really. We are not giving up on them. Um, And so, you know, one step at a time with these young people. Yeah, I love the expression relentless engagement. So when they are ready to make that big step and come in and seek out our help, um, uh, they would have a lot of unique needs, these young people that have been exploited and trafficked. How does Covenant House Vancouver support these youth? One of the biggest things we do here at Covenant House is work from a trauma-informed approach. And you might ask me, what does that look like? What what does that mean? What is trauma-informed? And there are five main principles of trauma-informed practice that are key to working with young people. And those things are safety, so making sure that they can trust us and that they come in and this remains a sanctuary for these young people. Choice, this is about young people having choices about their future. Young people who have been trafficked or exploited have had 
you know, their power taken away from them. They have not had any choices. And so we need to make sure that they understand that these services are a choice and how they engage is their choice. Collaboration. This is not about speaking for them. This is not about doing things for them. This is about coming alongside these young people so that they can begin to hope and dream and create goals for their futures. And we do that together. It's about trustworthiness. We've talked a lot about trust today. And so that is a key component of trauma-informed care, making sure that these young people know they can trust us unconditionally, no matter what they're going to say to us. And finally, empowerment. We need to empower these young people to see their worth, to see their value, to begin to dream about their futures and create goals that can help them achieve healthy, successful futures. And another thing we do here at Covenant House is work from a stages of change approach. So a lot of these young people are coming to us, perhaps they're, you know, testing out the waters. They're not quite ready to make that full change. They might be pre-contemplative or working towards contemplating change in their life. And we know that this approach is especially effective with young people who have experienced trafficking and exploitation. And the reason that is so important is because it's not always safe for them to just immediately exit, as well as it's not just that easy. We've talked a lot today about the barriers. And so this is a process. This is a cycle. And at Covenant House, we're committed to working that process with them. And ways that we work that process are creating safety and comprehensive individualized case planning. And that's important because no two people are alike. Everyone is going to need little tweaks to their approach to care and their plans. And so we work with young people where they're at. And in terms of working where they're at, something that's really important to us here at Covenant House is that there is no wrong door. If you come to us, we're going to meet you where you're at, whether that's on the street through our street outreach programs, whether that's through our drop-in center. We have a crisis program where young people can come in and have a safe bed, work with our team. We also have a rites of passage program, which is a transitional supportive housing program when people are ready for that next step in their journeys to wellness. And right on site here, we have clinical services, social workers, recreation, life skills, mentorship. And that's really important when working with adolescents. And the reason that's important is because if we have to send somebody to a different site for every single service they need, we're going to lose them somewhere along the way. But if we have the services that can wrap around them right here in our building, that's when we see the most successful long-term outcomes. So we're really proud here at Covenant House to be able to offer all of those things to our young people. And really, really, Mark, it's about meeting the basic needs of these young people so that they're able to catch their breath for a second, get out of survival mode, and move into a position where they begin to see their worth again, begin to see their value, begin to be able to dream again, dream like you and I dream about our futures, and start putting goals together to achieve those dreams. Yeah, that's uh, incredibly well said, given the continuum of care and the wraparound services that we offer. And I was just wondering if you could give a sense to our listeners, the length of time that may take with uh, a youth who comes to us who's been exploited or trafficked. We 
have young people that come to us and stay with us for a week, and we have young people that are here with us for many, many years. And I think that is part of our comprehensive, individualized case planning. Not every two youth are going to need the same thing. So we work with young people to create a plan that's going to work for them. We're unique here at Covenant House in the fact that we don't have a length of stay. A lot of shelter programs in the community have 30-day lengths of stay, and that can be a significant barrier for young people. So we, we don't work within the confines of those strict length of stay requirements. We develop plans that are individualized to these young people to really give them the best chance at a successful, healthy future. Yeah, I think that's very important to mention, given that what you had said about uh, it's not that easy to escape trafficking and the trafficker, so it could take quite some time. It sounds like it's a pretty big issue and, uh, you know, something that we can't tackle just on our own. Are there any other organizations that uh, support traffic and exploited youth? There are very few in our country working in this area, but we do have a great partnership with Deborah's Gate here in Vancouver. We work closely with them. There are organizations like PLEA who have programming and education opportunities here in Vancouver that we can access. We often partner with our friends at Covenant House Toronto. They're doing some amazing work out there. And we also partner with RCMP, local police detachments, local health authorities, as well as border services for some of our young people who may be from out of country. And now I hear that Covenant House has received some new funding for human trafficking. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Mark, I'm so excited about this. We are able to enhance our comprehensive anti-trafficking program in the coming months. We've been working really hard at securing this funding, and our first step is to hire an anti-human trafficking coordinator, which we're well on our way to doing, and I'm so excited to have this person in place because we are going to be able to reach so many more youth than we are right now. We're going to be working on things like policies and procedures, practice guides and toolkits. And the really exciting thing about these practice guides and toolkits is that not only will they help us enhance our programming here at Covenant House, but we're really hoping that they can enhance the conversation in the community and be a resource to our partner agencies all across Canada and maybe even beyond. We're going to be participating in research. We're going to be evaluating what we're doing along the way, trying to really get a handle on best practices in terms of trafficking and exploitation, specifically to homeless youth. So there's research out there about human trafficking in general, but how that intersects with homelessness and youth homelessness in particular is a very interesting area of research and so we're very excited to be starting on that as well as we're going to be enhancing our direct service to young people with experience of exploitation and trafficking so this is a very exciting time at covenant house and i can't wait to talk about it more that is such incredibly good news especially for taking uh, taking it to the next level and how we can engage with trafficked and exploited youth it, that's it's so exciting and and if someone out in the community wants to engage in the fight against human trafficking how would how, what would you say to them how would they get involved I would encourage everyone to learn more about this issue. It's important to every community, every person listening today. This is happening in the streets of Vancouver. It's happening in the suburbs. It's happening in your children's school. It's happening to family members of your coworkers. 
This matters to all of us. Do your research, engage in the conversation, and reach out to us at Covenant House if you have any more questions. Awareness is a key component of prevention. Oh, Chelsea, thank you so much for that information and uh, giving our listeners a sense of what is happening right here in our own backyard with uh, trafficked and exploited youth. And that brings us to the end of this episode of Under One Roof. And I'd like to thank my guest, Chelsea Minhas, Associate Director, Clinical Services and Program Development here at Covenant House Vancouver for joining me. If you'd like to learn more about the work we do here at Covenant House Vancouver, you can visit us online at www.covenanthousebc.org. Additionally, if you have feedback on today's episode or suggestions for future topics, you can email us at publicaffairs at covenanthousebc.org. Until next time, I'm Mark Savard, and thanks for listening. You've been listening to Under One Roof, a Covenant House Vancouver production. If you have questions or comments about today's episode, please email us at publicaffairs at covenanthousebc.org. For more information on Covenant House Vancouver or to make a donation, please visit our website at www.covenanthousebc.org. Until next time, thanks for listening.